So the big question is, how do entrepreneurs like us, who built our businesses from the ground up, who spend our own capital, who want to make a huge impact on this world while creating a great income? Those are the questions we will answer in this podcast. My name is David Asarno, and welcome to Get Naked in Business. I'm glad you're here. Now it's time to get naked. I am so excited for today's episode of Get Naked in Business. My guest, David Hancock, founder of Morgan James Publishing. Not only is he going to talk about why a book can change your life and your business, but how he accidentally founded Morgan James Publishing. Hey, this is David Asarno. Welcome to another episode of Get Naked in Business. Today, I have David Hancock. He's the founder of Morgan James Publishing. He's a Wall Street Journal best-selling author of performance-driven thinking and guerrilla marketing for writers. Welcome, David. David, what a privilege it is to be here with you. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. And if you're not watching this on Friday, you're going to be watching this on Thursday. <laughs> right. Minor detail. So let's talk about let's talk about Morgan James. You came literally right out of college, and you knew that you wanted to start a publishing house, right? That's not even close. No, it's not close. <laughs> not at all. So, okay, we'll we'll try this one. You launched your publishing house, and it became an instant overnight success. That's not even close either. <laughs> Come on, man, let's try one out of three. <laughs> Well, we're, the, the, the show is called Get Naked in Business because we're not here to just talk about overnight successes. Right. Success rarely is overnight. Now, before publishing, you were in banking, right? I was. And I'll, I'll, I'll undress a little bit further just for fun. So I barely passed high school, barely passed English. I was too busy chasing soccer balls and my now wife. And I ended up dropping out of college. But yet, here I am running a publishing company globally. Imagine that. But the publishing company with many friends of mine that I know, including myself, will be published with you, are, are published with you, and have you know, New York Times bestselling, USA Today bestsellers, et cetera. That's right. Uh, but I tell you what, I found a nice little niche in banking. I never really imagined doing anything else. I've always been a fan of home ownership, so I bought my first house when I was 20. You know, huge fan of Habitat for Humanity. So I found myself in mortgage banking, and was thriving. I was, in fact, I teased that I was fat, dumb, and happy, and never imagined doing anything else. But they were, <laughs> they were paying me stupid money for you know a college dropout. I mean, it was just ridiculous. No wonder they all crashed in '08. But I was doing well. Uh, but something happened that changed my life. And what happened? Tell me. You got to tell me. Oh, so <clears throat> as a top producer in baking, I had to figure out well, how do I stay on top? What do I need to do to? to continue being that because I was literally competing with a thousand people just like me in my community offering the exact same product and services that I was as probably many of your listeners are as well. And I figured, you know, what on earth, how could I stay the same? Now for us, we all had basically the same, you know, loosely regulated mortgage product that had different names, but we were offering the same thing. So, and I had an, and this might be unusual, but I had an unlimited ad budget. I could spend as much money as I could even remotely justify every month with no questions. Wow. So could everybody else. So it was like, we're all starting from zero every month anyhow. Uh, but I realized that if I tried to do a little bit things different to create a little more value for the, for the um, client, if I could try to serve them and meet their needs than trying to sell them my widgets or banking projects, you know, I, I realized, you know, that was, that was key, but I wanted more. So I started to study anything and everything, whether it was sales and marketing, uh, whether it was industry specific or not, I mean, I bought the books, I read it, 
I went to their seminars, I bought their courses, I implemented them. You know, I came back and I hired some assistants, I fine-tuned some processes, I did values-based selling, you know, things like that, and all of it worked. But none of it really gave me that bolster in my career that I was thinking. Nothing was really that magic pill. And it was frustrating, but it was a great process to go through. But it wasn't until I discovered a book, and it's kind of funny, I don't remember where I got it. I don't know if it was divinely left on my desk. I don't know if I stole it. Well, I'm pretty sure I didn't steal it. But someday, one day, out of nowhere, a copy of Guerrilla Marketing landed on my desk. And it was in its third edition. Jay Conrad Levinson was the author. I'd never heard of him, never heard of Guerrilla Marketing. But I read the book and went, wow, I'm a gorilla and didn't know it. I was, my, ultimately, I was successful because I was doing unconventional things compared to everybody else. Now, granted, I was still spending a lot of money on advertising. But as I started to realize that uh, I could leverage more of my time, my energy, my imagination and serving others, I started to spend less and less in the bank budget and started to earn more money for me to keep. But I really resonated with guerrilla marketing in such a way that I, I really deep dived into everything. I realized, you know, yes, I was a guerrilla and didn't know it, but what more could I do to do better? But I wasn't finding it. You know, but it was really, it was an affirming book. You have to go read it. It's a phenomenal book. But it was very affirming to me about what I was doing was working. I, 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 read, I read the book years ago. Did you? Yeah. Uh, third edition, came, you know, 15 million copies before I discovered it. Oh, edition I read? Fourth edition is dedicated to me, by the way. Oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> there's a story there, too. There's a, there's a story also because that path of a book landing on your desk, reading a book, you got to know him, obviously. Why don't you say, tell us how that bridge went from banking into a publishing company? Oh, you, you may stay on track. Okay, I can do that. So the neat thing was is I ended up hiring Jay as a coach because in the book, one of few authors that did this back then said, hey, if you need more help, just you know, reach out to me, email me. And his, his email address was very memorable. It was very <laughs> weird. Um, so I emailed him and he responded back and I hired him as a coach. And it was, he was an amazing individual, very gracious, very knowledgeable. His stories were truly amazing. But $10,000 a month, they should be, right? <laughs> he basically continued to affirm the things I was doing was, was working, but I'm like, what else is there? So he spread out over a couple months this, this, this next conversation, which I'll share with you right now. He said, David, if you wanted to charge more and negotiate less, I mean, who doesn't, right? He said, if you want to charge more and negotiate less, you've got to keep doing what you're doing because it's working. But you need to add one more thing. I'm like, yes. What is it? Anyway, he didn't tell me right away. He said, it's working. Whatever you're doing, you've got to keep doing it. It's working, but you need to add one more thing. So then he went on the next month said, David, if you wanted to have those clients that you wished you could do business with, those whale of a clients that just, you know, your life would change if you could get their business. And sure, as a mortgage banker, I, I saw, you know, these wonderful big builders or these celebrity real estate agents or CPAs or big law firms that had lots of clients with lots of money. I'm like, yeah, they, they don't return my phone calls. I'd love them. He said, well, if you wanted those clients to start begging to get on your calendar, you've got to keep doing what you're doing, but you need to add one more thing. I'm like, Jay, what is this one more thing? And you can probably you know, finish the story, but the reality was he went on for another, <laughs> exactly. He went on for another month and said, you know, if you wanted to have the media call you when something happened in the space, you've got to keep doing what you're doing because you're having an impact, you're making waves, you're doing well, but you need to add one more thing to really take it to the next level or whatever his language was at the time. And I'm like, I am ready to strangle this guy. He was, you know, driving me nuts. And he finally said, you need to write a book. And I literally laughed out loud because I pressured him to tell me, what, what is this one thing? I'm sure he was going to get there eventually. But he said, you need to write a book. He said, it's the single most important weapon you can have in your arsenal as a guerrilla marketer 
to have the most impact on your audience and just writing a book. And I laughed out loud. I, who am I to write a book? I said, Jay, you know me. I, I barely passed English. I dropped out of college. What on earth would anybody want to ever hear from me on? He was very gracious, very loving. He said that I probably had enough content. That I had enough. I was doing things differently. I had enough successes that I could probably write a book. So I ended up writing one. Didn't realize that was a hard thing to do. Now he coached me on what it should look like, but I ended up writing it, ended up being a stress reliever because banking was a very stressful business. And I ended up getting it published. Didn't realize that was a hard thing to do either. And within eight months, I doubled my already six-figure income. And the only thing, truly, the only thing I did different was yesterday I was a successful hustler, guerrilla marketer, mind you, but a successful hustler. And the next day I was a recognized authority. And sure enough, I doubled all my fees and nobody asked questions. <laughs> and those clients that would never give me the time of day were begging to get on my calendar. Now, David, I had to swallow my pride and take their money. I, it was tough. It was, it was it was all. It was hard. I mean, it was, I had to do it. How, and then, how did you go from that to starting Morgan James? You keep asking that. I'm getting there. Okay, so <laughs> sorry about that. So anyhow, the book was so powerful that I became very passionate about the book itself being a, a powerful weapon from a business perspective. And about that time, I, I was able to kind of move to a wholesale banker where my clients were the former me. So I'm thinking, okay, if I make money, I've got to sell them products, but if I could actually help them do their business better, do their business smarter, do what I did as a successful banker, you know, they would obviously make more money than I would make more money. So I would teach them guerrilla marketing. I would teach them how to do the things that I did that worked. And of course, I would teach my clients how to do a book because that was what one of the most significant impacts that I had in my community. And I had clients all across the country as their wholesale banker. So I started to really leverage the power of, of the book and teaching them to do what I did. And many of them were getting picked up by publishers. They were getting their books done like me and their businesses were exploding and thriving, which means I was making more money. And a lot of them were getting compelled to do it. They were self-publishing and they were having you know, phenomenal success in their business. But it really just kind of took over my life because there's a lot of challenges with publishing. You know, the self-publishing side didn't have the same level of authority. So they weren't getting the media attention that the rest of us were that we had traditional houses and the publisher relationships with authors was kind of broken. It just, it started to become really, you know, a challenge for me to see. And then by this time, you know, I've published now at this point back that back in the day, you know, I had published three books and my relationship was not great with my publisher. I sold the rights to them to do my book. They did what they wanted to with it. Didn't include me in anything. I had no input in the cover, no input in the title. I hated it when it came out. And my first book, when I got my copies in the mail, they added three chapters to it. And I didn't know it <laughs> until I saw it. Wait, they actually added three chapters? Yeah, it was good, but it wasn't me, you know? Yeah. So, and then by my, of course, I was obligated to do three books. So by my second and third book, I ended up convincing Jay Levison to co-author with me. So we did a book called Guerrilla Marketing for Mortgage Brokers. And it was a phenomenal success. But same thing, even with Jay on as a co-author, even with 15 million books under his belt, we fought over everything. And I'm a pretty agreeable guy, but they gave us very little input in the cover, very little input in, 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 in aspects of the book. Now, Jay owned the brand, so the title was set. We fought to have the camouflage motif, but by its second edition in 99, you listen to this, Dave, you're gonna laugh. It, by its second edition in 99, the publisher wouldn't even let us use the word internet in the book. The word internet in 99, internet was here to stay. <laughs> now their logic was sound. They thought it wasn't gonna last past Y2K, it would date the book and it would become immediately, immediately irrelevant the year after the book. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, it wasn't. Who, who was the publisher? Are you allowed to say? 
Uh, well, they're out of business now, but it was a company called Imprint Books out of New York. Uh, okay. So it wasn't one of the big fives, but they were a big house, bigger house. And they're no longer in business. They either got gobbled up or shut down or who knows what. But that was, it, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So I just realized, man, publishing stinks. I'm going to go self-publish. And I am getting to your question, I promise. So I'm going to go self-publish some books. Now that I'm a best-selling author, you know, I sold 40,000 copies of the book I worked with, or 40,000 copies of the book to the bank I worked for. So we were selling good books, but I'm thinking, man, I don't, I'm done with publishing. I've done my three books. I don't need them anymore. I've got an audience. I'm going to go self-publish. So I ended up self-publishing three more books between you know, 2000 and 2002, and it was wonderful. I mean, I loved being in complete control of everything. <laughs> Not that I was a control freak, but at this time I was, you know, I loved the covers, the content was sound, the books were wonderful. Yeah. But the distribution was a challenge. All I had was my garage. And, and of course, Amazon was in its infancy back then. And people didn't care. I wasn't getting the interviews that I was getting on my other books from the media. And it was, it was just, just, it was an uphill battle. And I started to have conversations with my wife, like, why, are, why is my garage full of books? And I can't park my car in the garage anymore. <laughs> Not a fun conversation. So I realized, man, this, I wish somebody would fix publishing because all they did was yell at us for not selling enough books and complain that we weren't doing anything. And every time we tried to do something, whether it was speaking on the topic or creating value uh, or creating marketing campaigns to promote the book, we had to get permission. We had to get a, you know, you know, their guys to approve our ad copy, our, our images. And if we talked too much of the book content, we had to get, you know, give them revenue from the events. It was ridiculous. And then I learned that was typical publishing from Jay. Wow. So I thought somebody needs to fix publishing and blend in a perfect world, you know, the credibility, the distribution, the opportunity that a traditional house offers, but great day in the morning, stay the heck out of my way as an entrepreneur who wants to be in more control, who wants to leverage the power of the content, who wants to create other products and services and have a speaking gig without having to you know, ride on the back of a publisher or have the publisher ride on their back for not doing enough. And I think to me, it's the big thing is owning your content. Oh, for, yeah, absolutely. For entrepreneurs today, yeah. Absolutely. Full autonomy of owning that and doing with it as you want. Now, I, I met you uh, almost uh, eight, nine years ago, probably eight years ago, when I went to your Author 101. Do you still hold those? No, actually, um, Rick Frischman, who was our publisher back then, uh, had been doing those since I've been in diapers, almost. Okay. Uh, we piggybacked on his events, but uh, he's retired, sold the business, and now it's a, it's a small little group. But yeah, it was a phenomenal event where you know we would teach publishing and introduce marketers and whatnot to the crowd. And, and I started my off. book then and now I'm finally publishing it. So thank you. So we're, let me, we're let me ask, what is the secret? I mean, is it where, because it's your, the, the, it, because it's not, you know, one of the big publishing houses, is it still, is it easier? Is it easy to get in with you? I mean, you, do you what percent acceptance do you have? So I'm always looking for reasons to say yes, because we, we love entrepreneur authors, but for whatever reason, we're only accepting about 97, no, we're only accepting about 3% of the books that come in. So 97% of the stuff just isn't for us. And part of that's just because the, the vision of the author, we think any publisher could publish a good book, but we love it. We love publishing books that are part of something bigger. Although we don't ask for whatever that bigger part is, but we just know that the power of a book and an author and what they can do with it and how it might support a business or a nonprofit or a, me a faith message or, or something that's bigger than the book itself is where we really get excited. So unfortunately, it's, uh, we tend to be kind of exclusive, but I think it's okay. For the right authors, we'll publish an author that's got a growing platform with something really good to say. They don't all have to be superheroes, but they have to have a good message and passion and enthusiasm for their audience like you. Well, what's the biggest mistake that most authors make? 
Oh my gosh. So how do I narrow it down? <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll give you a good one. This actually could be really good for you too. So the biggest mistake that an author makes is, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're a published author and they're trying to get their audience to buy the book when they really haven't earned the right to be that authority in the space. So we teach authors, you know, that the best time to start marketing your book is the moment you decide to write it or today, whichever comes sooner. Because you need to earn the right. You need to step into the role of being that authority in the eyes of your fans and followers. So really right now, David, 95% of your community, and you're probably already doing this, I know, because I'm following you, but 95% of you know, an authority's um, activity should be about why the fans are following them. You've got to educate them. You've got to encourage them. You've got to inspire them and maybe even entertain them. But they're, they're following you for a reason. So be that person that they're looking for. But the other 1% to 5%, you need to be very intentional today and talk about, I've got a book coming. I've decided to write a book. I'm going to write a book on this. Here's the title. I'm submitting it to agents. I'm talking to publishers. I got rejected. You just kind of carry them down this path with you. I've got picked up and I'm having my meetings. My book's coming out in the fall. Here's my cover. You'll carry them down this path with you. And that way, by the time you're ready to say, go buy my book, you've earned the right to ask. You've stepped into that role of being the authority in the space and they're willing to help you and talk about it and share it with your friends. Now, there will come a time in your career as an author, David, and others that you can flip it where it's 95% about you and 5% about them. But again, you have to earn that, but it'll be very short-lived. You know, when the book comes out or when the ebook comes out or when you're trying to make a run for a bestseller list or something like that, you need to you know, be very intentional about that. But otherwise, that's one of the biggest mistakes I see in authors is they don't start marketing the book until it's out. They don't even start talking about the book until it's out. And from a bookstore perspective, mm -hmm. bookstore buyers buy based on their perception of the author's ability to generate buzz. And they buy seven months in advance. So if Barnes & Noble buyer goes to your website right now and there's no mention of the book, next, <laughs> they're going to move to the next book. Interesting. What, what do you think is going to happen with bookstores with what's going on right now? You brought that up. I'm just curious. Yeah. So what a challenge that they're having right now. But I'm really encouraged. One thing I like about what Barnes & Noble is doing, um, even in this challenging time, um, you know, they're taking this moment while the stores are empty and they're doing the things they've been needing to do for decades. There are new owners out of uh, the UK, Waterside, uh, uh, Water, can you edit this out? No, I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the company. Um, water, whatever, whatever. They're not on my list. That's right. I still love them, but they're doing a good job, but they're coming in and they're revamping the stores. They're making them more community centered. Uh, they're enabling their managers and their stores to be more, curated books for the communities that they serve. So I'm really excited about what they're doing now during this downtime because they had hoped to do this over the next five to seven years, but they're doing it in the next two to three months. Um, and I think the, the actual small independent bookstores, which is a big part of our business, um, the ones that can survive or ones will start new will be more of the same, more community center driven. And I think since we've been locked down for so long, we're gonna be eager to get out there and support and, 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 and meet people up and face-to-face -face and support the local stores, but they'll need to do the same thing. They'll need to really focus on the curated content. They need to really focus on, you know, being a community center and serving their community well. And I, I'm really encouraged. And truth be told, before we went into this, um, this, this lockdown, you know, the bulk of books, print books were sold offline. And that's typical for most publishers. Amazon's our largest client, as you can imagine, and we love them, uh, but they're not the end all. And I think it's going to be even more so, um, offline as we start going past this, uh, you know, this uh, lockdown. So I'm encouraged. I have a question for you. Like I've got two books here, friends of mine, Chris Tuff, The Millennial Whisperer, yeah. and Tommy Breedlove, Legendary. Okay. 
what's the secret? I have, uh, I have bookshelves all over the place. The quality of the books that you print it is higher. Is it where an author specifies, I want this, this quality book, or is that just your standard? That's our standard. So as, as an up-and-coming publisher, because we're not one of the top five, you know, our, our challenge is, is we have to produce books that are as good, and I say or gooder, <laughs> as good or better than the books that are to the left and the right of it. Not so much so that, it's, that's, that they stand out in a bad way, but our quality has definitely got to be you know, uh, on par. But I wanted to take it one step further. So what you're feeling on those books is a really nice matte finish. We've been doing it for years. Yeah, silk satiny finish. You don't even know why you love the book, but they just feel a higher quality. Oh, I love that. Oh, where's my screenshot? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but you know, we, we do that intentionally because we want them to focus on the quality of the book from a psychological perspective so that by the time they're thumbing through the content, they realize this is something special. Not that we're charging more than the price than the books are to the left and the right of it. We just want to stand out in a good way, but not too crazy. Now, one of the things that I know and this has come up from many of my clients who are writing books, thinking, figuring out, do I self-publish? I just had this conversation yesterday with one of my clients. She's a doctor. She's got a million followers on YouTube. I mean, literally three years ago, she had not, no followers. She has a very engaged following. Wow. She's writing her second book. The first one was self-published. She's wondering, do I go self-publish it? Or do I hybrid publish it? Because you're like, I really want the book sooner than later. And another hybrid pu publisher said, well, even if the book's done and ready to go, you're not going to get it until like October, November. Yeah. So my, my, fan, my thinking of that is self-publishing is absolutely better than doing nothing at all. So absolutely, yes, you should publish. The path of how to do it can vary depending on your goals and really what you're looking to do. So even though that, that publisher may be correct, it, it, may, it, it takes us you know, nine to 10 months to get a book onto a bookstore shelf, but that's not, where the, that's not where the opportunity begins or the conversation should start. So I would say um, absolutely get the highest and best opportunity in publishing that you can get where you keep as many rights that you can, but have as much flexibility as possible. So for our authors, for example, you, David, as soon as the book is done and printable, like the ones you're holding in your hands, we tell the authors to go do what they had planned on doing. You go be that authority. You sell as many copies as you want. You give away as many copies as you want. You leverage that book on your speaking platforms. You sell it and give it away. Do whatever adds value to you now. Um, we can even release the ebook immediately. We can even release this, the audio book immediately. Just go do what you want to do. And that creates enough of a buzz that by the time we go through the sales seasons with the bookstore buyers and go through the process of presenting the book and selling it and printing it and inventorying it and spreading it around the country and soliciting reviews, it, it all takes time. It's ridiculous. I hate it, but it's necessary. So by the time the book shows up on the shelves, you've already got a conversation going. You've already created some sales. You've already got some reviews. People prefer, most people, 85% of the people prefer a print version. So even if you sold the ebook or gave it away, they're going to want to buy it for themselves in hard copy uh, and or give it to their friends. Uh, but it's a process. But do something over nothing, and, but do try to get the best distribution that you can uh, and certainly leverage if your publisher will let you the between times. So I don't know if I answered the question or not, but sure was fun answering. You did. <laughs> one, one final tip. If someone is thinking right now, should I write a book? What do I do? How, how am I going to get it done? What's the one piece of advice for them? 
So the answer is yes, you should probably write a book. If you're, if you're in a moment where you think I should write a book, you're probably, you should probably should write a book, but then you need to immediately drop the idea of it being a book because you'll overwhelm yourself. You'll sit there in front of a computer screen, staring at a blank page or your pencil in hand, twiddling it so much it falls apart in pieces. Um, look at just the, the end game. So when I wrote my first book, I was the same way. Like, who am I to write a book? I can't write a book. What am I going to say? It's overwhelming. So I was coached on, okay, just grab a sheet of paper, jot down 10 or 12 things that you wish you could get across to one of your ideal clients or whoever your target market is and say, I want to make sure I get these 10 or 12 things across to them before they kick me out. And if you still can do that, then you've got an opportunity to jot down between five and eight things under each one of those little subheadings or under those headings that you want to get across before, you know, they kick you out. And next thing you know, you've got an outline, you know, for a book, which ends up being your table of contents. Don't worry about the order. Don't worry about the structure. Don't worry about the Chicago manual style or anything crazy like that. You just write and write as you feel led. You might want to start with something that happened in your world today that you could really talk about right now. Start writing chapter three first. It's okay. You, you and your editor can go back and plug it into where it makes more logical sense. The key is just to start getting stuff on paper and filling in the blanks of the message that you want to share before somebody kicks you out. Don't think of it as a book. Awesome. If someone is interested in learning about how they can get with you at Morgan James Publishing, where, where do they go? Oh, awesome. Well, certainly go to um, morganjamespublishing.com or on social media at morganjamespub uh, or even uh, at David Hancock. Um, easy to find and reach. We'd be honored to take a look at the, the books that are coming through, even if it's just to encourage or inspire and let people know they're heading down the right path. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Well, thank you, David, for being here. Thank you for sharing the information with everyone. And for those of you who are listening to this on iTunes right now, I am showing a couple friends books that were published by David's team. And uh, well, thank you, David, for being here. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.